we as a society are given to the idea many times that one thing can fix things. It's been like this for many, many years. The idea that if I just get that, everything will be taken care of. It goes back 96 years to 1927 when the first convenience store opened in Dallas, Texas. What seems to be one on every corner and a dollar general in every community <laughs> had its starts in 1927. Why have to travel to multiple stores, just go to one convenience store and take care of multiple purchases at one time? One trip takes care of it all. We many times can look for one action that will be the golden answer to several problems. Allow me just with data to prove it. According to data by the Market Data Enterprises Company, a market research firm, we Americans to this year in 2023 will spend north of $60 billion just this year to try to lose weight. Allow me to say that one more time for emphasis. You and I in America will spend north of $60 billion to try to lose those extra pounds. Everything from gym memberships to joining weight loss programs, to trying to drink diet soda. And if you like diet soda, there's an altar for you today. <laughs> and yet there exists a decision which when made can change our lives immensely. This one decision, everybody say one decision. This one decision can be a catalyst which helps us sleep better. Oh yeah, there's some people sign up for that one. This one decision can provide for us more quality relationships. Just one decision can release anxiety and fear. Pastor, please tell me what that one decision is. Don't let me wait one moment longer. If that can have all of that effect, please tell me what it is. Well, it's a command which was issued by a man named John as he prepared the way of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. It was a startling word. It was an in-your-face word. This strange man named John who came out of the wilderness with just one message as recorded by Matthew in his gospel. Repent! For the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Wouldn't it have been nicer and more palatable to people 
if John would have come out of the wilderness and said, let's come together, let's enjoy fellowship together, let's calm down and just be nice to one another, and yet when there was this shift in the spirit world, when there was this preparation for a coming Messiah, there was one command that John gave, and it was simply repent. Repent because something is coming, and something is going to change, and something is going to move. Hey, I've got a word for you coming out of the wilderness. I know you think you're in a good place, but the call of God today is to repent. The call of God for the religious elite of the day is to repent. The call of God for the traditional is to repent. The call of God for the young is to repent. In fact, it was this Jesus that said, unless you repent, you will all perish. See, Jesus taught that repentance is a salvation issue. The reason we must take seriously the ministry and the teaching of Jesus please hear me today, is because Jesus will be our judge. Not us. Not our family. Not our friends. Not the people closest to us. Jesus will be our judge. Acts chapter 10 and verse 42 declares that Jesus is ordained to be both judge of the living and judge of the dead. I want to preach it again. Jesus will be our judge. Jesus will be the one that every man stands before. Every woman in this house stands before. Every young person in this house stands before Jesus. Jesus will be our judge. However, it is not the heavy-handed condemning pressure of God which forces us to bend our knee and humble our heart under his dominance, but it is the Apostle Paul that told the Roman believers, it is the goodness of God that leads you to repentance. It is the goodness of this God that convicts me of sin so I can endeavor to be right with Jesus. Oh, I want to tell you, I got to tell you, I got to be honest, I got to be forthright and candid. I want to be right with Jesus today. I want to be right with Jesus today. I don't want to stand up and preach to hundreds and become a castaway. I don't want to be one thing today and another thing tomorrow. I want to stand before Jesus and him say to me, you are a servant of mine. You are a child of mine. You have made it right. You have humbled yourself. Oh, I got to preach it on Pentecost Sunday. The call of God is to repent. Yeah. Hey, lest you think I'm picking on somebody here. 
Paul made it clear. He leveled the playing field when he said, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us in this room, every man in this room has fallen short. Every woman in this room has fallen short. Every young person, every child, every young adult, every elder, every preacher, every businessman, every single mom, every single dad, every divorced person, and every married person, all of us fall short of the glory of God. And in our own humanity... If that was the ultimate way, then we would be doomed. Because I want you please to hear me. There is no magic saving veil which drapes across us in death that changes our character from sinful to saved. i got to repeat that again. There is no magical veil that once we draw our last breath simply because we die, that somehow that, that change, that metamorphosis, takes all of the wrong and makes it right, takes all of the stain and washes it away. There's no such thing as a magic saving veil like that. That's why Joel prophesied in the Old Testament chapter 2, he was a prophet to the kingdom of Judah, which was the southern kingdom of the people of Israel. Most likely, he was a contemporary to Elisha. Elisha ministered to the northern kingdom, and Joel prophesied to the southern kingdom. And Joel assured the people that through repentance, they would again receive the blessings of God. He said, you are away from God now, but if you will repent, if you will repent, rain is going to come down and refresh the barren land. If you will repent, this rain will produce an abundance of grain that you cannot even contain. If you will repent... Vats will overflow with wine and oil. And if you will repent, God will restore years that have been consumed and taken from you. If you repent, there is coming a change. If you bend your knee to God in contrition and say, God, I cannot make it on my own. I can't do it in my own power. I don't have enough fortitude inside of me to change my life. If you will repent, if you will turn from your wicked way, God will come and he will send rain that you so desperately need. 
if you will repent, God will cause an overflow to begin in your life. You cannot come up with it on your own. You cannot produce it on your own if you will repent. If you will repent, I feel it in my spirit this morning. If this congregation in the middle of a sermon will hit our face and repent... If you and I will rise up in our spirit and say, God, I cannot do it on my own. I have tried to do it and it hasn't worked out yet. If you and I in a sacred moment on a Sunday morning will lift our voice with a howl of repentance, God will bring back what has been lost. God will bring back what has been taken. Come on, I feel something rising in the spirit on Sunday morning. There's going to be a pouring out of the Holy Ghost, but it's going to be preceded first by an honesty that says, God, I cannot do this on my own. I cannot make it on my own. I've got to have you, God. My family needs you. My wife needs you. My children need you. I must have you, God. I repent. I lay my life on the altar. I lay my agenda on the altar. I give my spirit to you. I give my body to you, Lord. I yield every part of me over to you. Come on, there's a call to repentance in this house today. There is a call of the Spirit in this house that's saying, I can bring back to you what you lost a few years ago. I can bring back to you what was taken from you. It starts with repentance. I wish there'd be a cry come up from this house right now. I didn't get an assurance from God that we were going to get any further than this, but I did get an assurance that he was going to give us a space to repent. I did get an assurance from Jesus that he'd give us an opportunity to call on the name of the gracious one called the Lord. Come on. Come on, if it's been a while since you asked God to forgive you for that, go ahead and ask him. If you, if you sinned, go ahead and call it out to the Lord right now. If you got to get right, today's the day to get right. Come on. Come on, now's the day of repentance. It's the same word that John the Baptist heralded coming out of the wilderness. It's the same word that John the Baptist had for a people in a time of transition, in a time of movement. Come on, I wish someone would begin to pray and say, God, forgive our country for killing children. God, forgive our country from getting mixed up with gender dysfunction. God, forgive our country for turning away from divine order. Oh, that there would be a cry of repentance in this house. Come on, the word of the Lord is in this house today. His word says if we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just to forgive us of our sins. If we ask him to forgive us, he will forgive us. Come on, sir, go ahead and just risk it and say that out to God right now. Forgive me for what I said, Lord. 
Forgive me for how I acted to my family, Lord. Forgive me for prioritizing things above you, God. Forgive me for walking in the flesh, Lord. Forgive me for responding in the flesh, Lord. Oh, your call is to a change of direction today, Lord. Your call is to a change of direction in my life today, Lord. I lay my life on the altar today, God. I yield my life on your altar today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, God, there needs to be less of me and more of you, Lord. There needs to be less of me. That's why I lay it on the altar today, God. It's not about what I think. It's not about my agenda. It's your kingdom coming and your will being done, Lord. Hallelujah. 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 Come on, I felt it in the prayer room last night when a couple dozen people joined together. I felt there was a cry of the Holy Ghost that was coming up from that prayer room last night. Come on, the Holy Ghost is going to get poured out today. There's going to be a baptism of the Holy Spirit in this house today. But I wonder if there would be some that would just stand and get out in the aisle and begin to call on the Lord and say, Lord, we're hungry. We're hungry for that forgiveness. We're hungry, God. We're hungry for you to be in charge. Not us in charge, Lord, but you in charge. We repent, God. Come on, if it's been a while since you cried out to God, go ahead and cry out to God. Come on, come on, go ahead and cry out to the Lord right now. Yeah. Come on, I can't repent for you. You can repent for you. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I want to be right with you, Lord. I want to be right with you, Lord. I want to be right with you, Lord. I want to receive your forgiveness today, Lord. I open up in my spirit and receive that forgiveness, Lord. Come on, the Bible talks about praying between the porch and the altar, lifting up a voice between the porch and the altar. If it's been a while since you prayed a repentance prayer, pray a repentance prayer right now. Turn in your spirit right now. Oh, yes. Let me preach to our guests right now. Jesus is as close as a prayer of repentance. Jesus is as close as a prayer of repentance. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for selfishness, Lord. Forgive me for doing things my way, Lord. Forgive me today, Lord. I'm going to change the way I walk. Woo! Hallelujah! Come on, it starts with repentance. It starts with repentance for Tim. It starts with brokenness for Tim. 
It starts with a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. The Lord said he will not despise. He will not despise that. <laughs> That's it. That's it. While you're crying out to the Lord, I need to remind you what the Word says. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess it, He forgives it. If we declare it, He forgives it. I wish somebody that's praying a prayer of repentance would just shift right now from petition and begin to thank God that He's hearing what you're praying about. I wish someone would just shift in your mindset right now and just begin to say, thank you, Lord, for your forgiveness. Come on, everybody can do that today. Everybody that's praying a repentant prayer can pray that today. Thank you, God, for hearing my prayer. Thank you for forgiving my sins, Lord. Woo, hallelujah. Lord, it's your goodness that's calling us to repentance, Lord. It's your goodness that's calling us to repentance, Lord. It's your goodness that's calling me to repentance today, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to ask you to make your way back to your seats and be seated, please. I must... Remind us in this room because I know the way the enemy works when he comes in and tries to convince us that the last few moments were some futile act by a group of zealous people in a church building. All I know to do is to put the word back on him. That if we cry it out, if we confess it, he will forgive it. So let me just make sure we understand those of you that have cried out to the Lord in repentance today. If you ask him to forgive you, he forgives you. If you have asked him to forgive you for that or this or this, he forgives us. If you just asked him, you are sitting here forgiven. Somebody needs to rejoice in that right now. Not maybe forgiven. 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 It is his goodness that calls us to repentance. But I've also got some good news beyond that. This Jesus who is our judge is also our substitute. It's amazing. He can be both judge and substitute for us. Because if it was not for a substitute, all the penalty of our wrong would be on us. But John said he himself is the propitiation. That's a big Bible word for substitute. For our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the whole world. World. Jesus said, come to me, 
all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's my judge, but he also steps in and becomes my substitute. He's the one that I will stand before. But when I feel overwhelmed in my wrong, he says, I'll take that penalty. I'll become your substitute. I'll be the one. We open our Bible to that Old Testament story told by Joel prophetically. And Joel did not stop with prophecies that affected fields and threshing floors and years. He declared that when repentance took place and the restoring of the land took place, that God would then turn his attention toward human beings. God would touch the fields and God would touch the skies when people repented. But when people repented, God would also turn toward living beings. He declared that after all of this is done, there would come a day that God would pour out his spirit. You see, when the apostle Peter quoted Joel in the book of Acts, he said, that this promised spirit outpouring would be something that is seen and something that is heard. That's Acts chapter 2 and verse 33. He said when this happens, more than touching the clouds to give rain, and more than touching the vats to overflow with wine, and more than touching the fields to bring abundant crops, when the Spirit is poured out on people, you're going to see some things happen and you're going to hear some things happen. He said, in the last days, I will pour out of my Spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters are going to lift their voice and they're going to begin to prophesy. I'm going to tell you something. I've watched something happen in the last six or eight weeks in this church that I don't know if I just wasn't watching before, but I've seen it happen. There has come something on the younger generation in this church. And I'm not just talking about Nexus. These folks are plugged in. I get so blessed to watch y'all worship God. But the children of this church, I've watched young girls in this church forget about mom and dad sitting back there and come up in this altar. And here's the thing, their mom and dad are probably up here doing this too. But they're up in the altar and they're just worshiping and praising God. I looked up in that, that ladies ensemble today and I saw young girls up here who aren't even in the youth group yet. And yet when the Spirit of God comes on them, they just can't sit still. They can't just stand there. They can't just go through the motions. There is something coming 
on that generation, Sister Sarah. There is something that is moving on our sons and our daughters. So I'm going to preach it like I feel like preaching it today. We need to forget that our sons and daughters are just going to get by. And you need to rise up and say, no, my son and my daughter, they're going to prophesy. They're going to prophesy. It is promise. Oh, I got to make sure I just get that, kill that spirit right now. These young people are not just going to barely make it into heaven. No, our sons and daughters are going to lift up their voice and speak a word from God. Oh, yeah. Brother Jay, Sister Lexi, I'm not praying that you'll barely make it, guys. I'm not going to get up in your business and say, I know it's hard as a teenager. It's different than my... Yes, it is. Let's go ahead and get past that. But God has an anointing on your life. God has a power on your life. May God help us to believe for you that my son's going to prophesy. My daughter's going to prophesy. Here's the promise. When that spirit touches human beings... Young men are going to start seeing God visions. <laughs> Go ahead and mark it down. You can marginalize teenagers all you want and say, no, they're just all emotional. No, the Bible says that young men are going to start seeing things that God gives them. And young men in this house, can I tell you when God does that, don't keep it to yourself. Start talking what God is showing you. That is a prophecy in the last days. And elders, I don't want to leave you out because the Bible doesn't leave you out. Bible says when that spirit is poured out on all flesh, when it starts touching young people and it starts touching young men and sons and daughters, elders, you aren't marginalized over in the wings somewhere, but there's going to be old men that are going to start dreaming God dreams. God's going to put something in you that is for the church. God's going to give you a dream of what can be in the kingdom of God. And can I tell you when he does that, don't keep that to yourself find you a young person and speak that dream over their life hallelujah it's going to be seen and heard now here is the wonderful thing about this when Joel prophesied of this outpouring hundreds of years later it had to be quite a setting because at least 15 different cultures and languages were present together in Jerusalem at the celebration of the giving of the law on the mount. And it was something that the children of Israel were to commemorate every year, 50 days after the Passover. So they were gathered together dutifully to remember Pentecost. Pentecost, listen, is not just a denomination. Pentecost did not originate with non-Jews. Pentecost is a celebration in the Jewish custom. The word Pentecost literally means 50. 50 days after Passover, 
the Jews were to gather together and remember when the man of God went up on the mount and God gave him the word. And by the way, if you look at Exodus chapter 19, when the man of God went on the mountain and he got the word, the Bible says that things were seen and things were heard. Lightnings and thunderings, evident that God was working. This is why it should not surprise any of us that at Pentecost, as recorded in the book of Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit was poured out that Joel said would be poured out, things were seen and things were heard. Why? Because it is the culmination. It is the type of what Exodus 19 speaks of. They were gathered together. The Bible says they were waiting for the promise of the Father. Jesus, Luke told this in, in Luke chapter 24. Behold, Jesus says, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. People were gathered in one place. They were waiting for the promise that had been given and the Holy Spirit was poured out. Now before I finish this message and give God an opportunity to pour his spirit out, I must tell this great congregation, this outpouring of God's spirit is for every person. Say, so how can you say that, Pastor? I can say that because the Bible says that. In the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. Notice the Bible doesn't say, I will pour out my spirit on all Pentecostals. I will pour out my spirit on all really good Bible-believing people. He said, no, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. The baptism, the outpouring of God's spirit is for every person. Look at someone and say, that means you. Here's the only prerequisite. You got to be breathing. So if you're breathing right now, that means you. Number two, this outpouring will affect every generation. Acts 2 and verse 39 says this pouring out, this promise that's poured out is to you and it's for your children and it's to all who are afar off as many as the Lord our God will call. This outpouring will affect every generation. Thirdly, this outpouring will cause people to desire to be water baptized. How can you say that, Brother Gaddy? Because the Bible says that. The Holy Spirit is poured out. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41, after the preaching goes forth, those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Allow me to make sure we understand that Jesus declared, as Mark 16 tells us, he who believes and is baptized 
will be saved. So Jesus not only taught that repentance is a salvation issue, Jesus taught that belief and baptism is a salvation issue. When you are baptized in water in the name of Jesus Christ, according to the Bible, that is not simply an identifying with a local church. Because we are not interested at New Life Church in Cabot of just getting people wet on a Sunday morning. Just simply to say, that's my church. But we understand from the Bible that Jesus teaches that unless you believe and are baptized, you cannot be saved. So we see that Jesus lifts the importance of water baptism to be a salvation issue. Amen. There are people in this room who have been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Would you wave your hand if you've been baptized in his saving name? There are other people in this room that you have been baptized, but you don't remember how you were baptized. Maybe it was when you were a child. Maybe it was when you were a teenager. You're not sure exactly what happened or if there was a name called upon you. Can I just be bold enough to say you need to be water baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? That's pretty bold, huh? Let me tell you what, I, what pastor's not saying. I'm not saying that when you were baptized as a teenager or a child that you did it flippantly. Or that somehow you didn't believe what you were doing. I'm not saying that at all. Probably that was one of the most important moments in your life. But it is incumbent upon us to follow this book. And if this book does say, and it does, that water baptism is by immersion. And it is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. That Bible says that. I am accountable for being baptized according to to that Bible. If you are here and something quickens in your spirit and you say, that's for me. I don't know how all that works, but that's for me. That's the Holy Ghost today. That's what we've been praying for. That's what we've been asking God for. I have never seen someone water baptized in the name of Jesus that came up out of that water and said, I wish I wouldn't have done that. No, 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 no. I've never seen the first person go down in the waters of baptism and say, eh, nah, not really. But I can't tell you the number of people that have been water baptized in the name of Jesus. Come up out of that water with that saving name put upon you, that authority name put upon you that says, finally, I got a saving name on me. Finally, I've got a saving name on me. I wish you'd be like Jeremy. Jeremy made contact with Missy and Bill Hensley a few days ago. And uh, here's, here's what's awesome about this church. It was a Saturday about uh, eight days ago. And I was driving up here to the church to grab something out of the office in the Life Center, one of the offices in the Life Center. And I drove up, and on this side of this building, the worship center, I saw three or four cars right by where the prayer room is. And I thought, wow, that's awesome. People are praying. I just kind of spoke a blessing over everybody that's praying in the prayer room, and I went and did my business. Well, later that night, uh, Stacy and I got a text from Missy Hensley, and she said, Pastor Bill and I are on vacation right now, but we got to tell you what happened. Uh, this morning before we left for vacation. Jeremy, she said, several, several months ago you were preaching and you said this in, in the altar time. You said, why don't you pray for someone that just comes to your mind quickly right now? 
And she said, the first person that came to my mind was Jeremy. And this is a family friend of theirs. And so she started praying for Jeremy. Now, that was, that was months ago. Well, last Saturday, what I thought was a prayer meeting going on was actually this going on. Jeremy had had the Lord working on him. And Jeremy started feeling like something's got to change in my life. I got to get a new start in my life. He, they told me he sat in that baptistry for 30 minutes just feeling the presence of God after he was water baptized in the name of Jesus. Come on, can I tell you something? The outpouring of the Holy Ghost causes people to desire to be water baptized. You can be water baptized today in the name of Jesus. Musicians, you can come. I'm just about done. This outpouring also will usher in miracles in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're here and up to this point you haven't felt a, a release from the pain in your body. Maybe you walked in here in pain. Maybe you have some sort of chronic sickness. Here's what the Bible says. The book of Acts chapter 2 the Holy Spirit was poured out. The book of Acts chapter 3 begins. And the scripture says that Peter and John are on their way to the church house. And they come across a man who cannot walk. He was completely lame. He was asking for alms. And they said, we don't have anything. We don't have any money to give you. But what we do have, we're going to give it to you right now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he reached down and grabbed that lame man by the hand. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter number 3 and verse number 7, he took him by the right hand. He lifted him up and immediately his feet and his ankle bones received strength. So he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. It was Peter that was questioned by the rulers of the day. How do you have this authority? By what authority have you done this? And Peter said, it is through his name and through faith in his name that has made this man strong. When the outpouring of the Holy Spirit comes, miracles follow. I'd like you to stand with me, and I'm going to ask us just to Lean into this moment right now. If at all possible, do not move in and out. I'm not saying that to restrict people, but there's going to be some people make decisions in the next few seconds that's going to immensely touch their life. I want you, I want you to listen real clearly. I understand. You're looking at a man that understands that action in a church service involves trust. I get that. I really do, especially for new, new folks that are here. We, we, we come, and I, I said this last Sunday, I believe it was, I am just so blessed when I see people for the very first time come to this church because I know how scary that can be, walking in. You've never been here before. Is anybody going to talk to me? What's going to happen in the service? Is a preacher going to yell? Yeah. I understand there's a trust that's needed. But you are in a church, if you're new to this moving of the Spirit of God, you are in a church that absolutely believes in the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. You're looking at people around you right now that are as normal as you are. None of us wake up 
in some angelic state. We all hold good jobs. We all eat food like you eat food. But we've come in contact with a God that has filled our lives. And we want that for you. We want that for you today. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to be very upfront with what we're going to do in just a moment. I'm going to ask for some folks to come and help me pray with you. You say, well, why would you do that, Pastor? Because if there's an action that's required or asked for, I know the trust is, man, everybody's going to be looking at me. You're gonna, I promise you, these folks are here just to help pray with us. So they're not here looking at you. They're here to help pray. And then in just a few moments, I'm going to give direction on what this altar call, this appeal is going to be. And God's going to pour his spirit out today in a marvelous way. Our altar team, I want you to come and join me up here if you would. Just kind of line up across the front here. All the way across the front. Amen. These folks are going to just help us pray. These folks are just going to help us pray. Amen. All right, everybody look here. In just a moment, I'd like for every person here that you, as I have preached, you think, well, man, that baptism of the Holy Spirit, that sounds like a neat gift. And Pastor, you said it's for all flesh. I'd like to receive that gift. If that's you, or you would like, you've, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before, but you'd like to be refilled in the Holy Spirit. Or you just have a need of some sort outside of your physical body. We'll have prayer for that specific. But outside, maybe it's a family thing. Maybe it's something you just need someone to agree with you in prayer. So you need the filling of the Spirit, the refilling of the Spirit, or some sort of need that you would just like somebody to pray with you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to come in this middle section right here, up in this altar area. If you are here and you need a physical healing in your body, like you're in pain right now, or you have some sickness, some malady, something you've been dealing with, high blood pressure, back pain, liver problem, whatever the case may be, and you believe that miracles follow the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to ask you to come on either side of this middle area. That just gives us a frame of reference so we know what you're coming for. And then thirdly, if you've never been water baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins, we got a tank right over here. And if God begins to talk to you about that, and I know God's talking to some people about that in this room. By the way, you don't have to get clothes wet. We got robes and undergarments. You don't have to get any of your clothes wet. You'll go home dry. Well, maybe your hair will be wet, but that's it. If that's you or someone that's with you feels that nudge, I want you, when we begin to pray, to just step over here by this baptistry and just let somebody know I'm ready to be water baptized in the name of Jesus. Folks, here's what's so powerful about this room right now. We have repented of our sins. We have made it honest with God so we can expect the outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now. It is for us. It is for us today. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me right now? Lord, in this solemn moment, I ask that there will be just a complete transparency and honesty in us, Lord, to reach out for you right now. It's going to happen in our midst. There's going to be healings that take place, Lord. There's going to be people filled, and I thank you for it, Lord. We're claiming every promise of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the name of Jesus Christ.
And the church said amen. If you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you need a refilling, some other need in your life, I wish you'd step out quickly and come. We won't start praying yet, but you just need something. I want you to come and stand right here in the middle. If you need a healing in your body, I wish you'd step over on one of these sides, and we're going to have some people pray with you. There's going to be people coming from all over the sanctuary, and we're going to see God work and see God touch and see God perform his will, and his power is going to be on display in this house. I'm going to give a moment right now. There's people really desperate for the Lord right now. There's people really hungry for the Lord. There's people desiring that touch of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. That's beautiful. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Thank you for responding. Praise God. Beautiful. Beautiful. Come on. That's good. Just step on up. Step on up. Amen. God's going to pour his spirit out today. God's going to pour his spirit out today. Now let me tell you what, what's going to happen right now. In just a moment, some of these folks that are up here at the front are just going to connect with you. And I would like you, if you would, everybody that came up for prayer, would you look right here at Pastor? When the people connect with you, if you would, just confirm for them what it is you're praying for. That will just help us to be able to pray with some direction, all right? And if, you, if you're here and you got a back pain, we want to pray against the back pain. We don't want to pray for the wrong thing, all right? Amen. So in just a moment, we're going to do that, and we're going to see the presence of God pour, be poured out in this house today. So why don't you do that? Altar workers, would you come and just connect with those that are here? And I wish you would just ask them, what are we praying for today? What are we asking God for today? What are we asking God for today? Thank you, Jesus. Man, praise God. That's it. That's it. I'm just, I'm just talking right now. I'm just telling you what it is, what we're praying for. Now, those of you that are praying people in, the, in this altar and in this congregation, I wish you would just stretch your hands up here toward the front. The Holy Ghost is going to be poured out right now. Spirit of God's going to be poured out in this room right now by the authority of the Word of God. And the power that is in the name of Jesus Christ. Receive the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Be filled with the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus. Be filled to overflowing right now in the name of Jesus. By the authority of your word, we speak against sickness right now. And we rebuke it in Jesus' name. We take authority over every long-term sickness. We rebuke it and bind it and loose the healing power of the Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. That's it. That's it. The Holy Ghost is being poured out right now. Ah. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 